a new sermon series and new things give us new opportunities. So we're going um, to look at, over the course of the next few weeks and months at some different themes. Uh, and we're kind of uh, intentionally aiming some of our themes and the way that we're going to teach them and explore them. Um, a, a, a group of people call millennials. Um, if you don't know what they are, you're not one of them, so don't worry about it. Uh, and as we um, try and give things a new angle and a new uh, flavor, we're going to um, experiment a little bit with our Bible reading and the, the passages we look at and how we present them. So sometimes there's going to be uh, a video, uh, we'll go out and we'll film a Bible passage. some point, someone will come and do the traditional uh, stand of the lectern and do the Bible reading thing. Um, tonight we are doing neither of those things. Uh, I'm going to kind of weave in and out of a few different passages. So I don't want you to panic and think that because we're not having a formal Bible reading, that means that P's and G's has forgotten about the Bible. We still believe the Bible is central, that it speaks uh, to all of our lives. If anything, tonight, I'm going to preach more Bible than I normally would. So you... <laughs> you little rats. So you can be calm and, re- you know, just rest easy. Dave asked if next week he can preach on Harry Potter. I've said, Dave, my authority as a curate, no, that will not be happening. Although we could watch selective excerpts and I would enjoy that. But, um, but anyway, should we, um, should we pray as we begin? Jesus, we um, thank you that you are uh, good and kind. Thank you that you have uh, a purpose for each of our lives. And we long to meet with you tonight, Jesus. We long that you would uh, come and speak uh, deeply to each of us. Holy Spirit, we give you uh, space and permission tonight. We're attentive to you. Ask, Lord, that you would speak. Your servants, your family are, are waiting to listen. Amen. I want to start by uh, sharing a story with you, and it's a a story that I've promised to tell and to share only once. Um, I want to talk to you about mine and Alice's wedding day. Now, I've been told that um, if I tell this story too many times, then I fall into the category of smug married, so that's why it will only get one outing here. Uh, I will be telling it at multiple different occasions in different places, but as the 7 p.m., you can be assured that I will tell you this story only once, so that means you have to listen carefully. Okay, uh, I, I was married uh, to Alice on uh, the 5th of December. Uh, thank you. Good, Alice is here, that's why she's cheering. No one else seems to care. Great. Noted. Um, and it's safe to say that our wedding day didn't quite go like maybe we thought or hoped it would. Uh, if you've not read page two of the Daily Mirror, I will bring you up to speed. Uh, we... Uh, I woke up uh, on the morning of December the 5th and pulled back the curtains to my bedroom window. Uh, And outside my bedroom window, you can look out uh, onto beautiful hills uh, and see uh, beautiful scenery. But on the 5th of December, I could see none of those things. All I could see uh, were thick black clouds uh, and clouds that were proceeding to dump uh, their entire contents out onto the village where we were going to be married. there's a, a river that goes behind, uh, just in front of our house, uh, and that river uh, is normally pretty full. Uh, Mark Cameron fell into the river later in the day, but that's a different story for a different time. Uh, that river is normally pretty dangerously full, uh, uh, but on that day, it was incredibly full. Uh, there's a, a bridge that goes uh, from where we live uh, to the hall where we were going to have our wedding reception, uh, and the water was threatening to take out the bridge. Uh, it was brushing up against the top of it. I went downstairs to the kitchen where we were going to have a kind of family breakfast, um, James's last day as a free single man um, kind of thing. 
and the mood was uh, kind of subdued and quiet. Uh, everyone was up and awake and dressed, but, but it was uh, just a little bit tense and anxious. Uh, my dad kind of quietly pulled me across to one side, and he said, James, look, um, we've been in touch with the police, and we think all the roads are closed. Uh, there's a good chance that Rydal has become an island, and that uh, uh, no one can get in or out. Uh, most of our guests had arrived on the, the Friday night, so fortunately, uh, that, uh, we, we had most of the right people in the right place, um, but we had to hold on for uh, maybe an hour or so before we could know whether our caterer was going to get there, before we could find out whether our wedding band were going to be there, or, or even our, our photographer. Uh, we, uh, we found out that the, the roads were closed and that no one uh, else was going to be able to come, so we, we went across to the hall to try and come up uh, with a new plan. Uh, we had a, a few conversations with some different people, uh, and it turned out that uh, one of them knew a man with a Land Rover. Now, a Land Rover is a very helpful thing in a flood, uh, particularly if the Land Rover has a snorkel. Uh, I don't entirely understand what a snorkel is, but it's, apparently it's a very good thing in a flood. So uh, uh, we realized we knew someone with a, uh, someone knew someone with a, a Land Rover with a snorkel, uh, and we were faced with a, a decision to make. Uh, they could either go and fetch our photographer um, from a kind of cheap knockoff Nando's on the other side of the floodwater, uh, or they could go uh, a long way in the other direction and pick up our caterers. Uh, I had a, a chat with my brother, who was my best man and was my uh, kind of decision-making hub of the wedding, uh, and he pointed out that in 20 years' time, the food would go off. It would be moldy, we wouldn't be able to eat it, but we would still be able to look at the photos. So we made the decision uh, to not worry about the food for the wedding there and then, but instead send uh, the man with the Land Rover uh, and the snorkel to go and pick up our wedding photographer. We, uh, we had a, a quiet panic and trying to work out what we were going to do for food, and we uh, managed to call a fish and chip shop that was open, uh, and we ordered 110 portions of fish and chips, which paid for all of their Christmases for the rest of their lives. <laughs> Uh, and we fed our guests fish and chips. We, we moved the wedding back by an hour, uh, and our wedding took on this, um, this kind of wartime blitz feeling. Uh, we were in the middle of a, a nationally acclaimed, critically acclaimed uh, disaster zone, uh, and suddenly everyone started to pull together. Uh, some of the staff who were going to be uh, the waiting on staff and help lay at the table weren't able to come in because flood. Um, so uh, all of our guests started to polish cutlery and glasses. They started to lay at the tables. Uh, and everyone started to pull together. Uh, people who would have politely ignored each other at other people's lesser weddings uh, became, <laughs> became, became best friends at ours. Uh, people mingled and they mixed, and it, it felt like uh, the wedding kind of became more than just a wedding, but, but the thing that you would remember for the rest of your lives. Uh, an hour later than planned, me and Alice got married, uh, and we ate fish and chips, and we had, um, uh, because our, our wedding band weren't able to be there, Mark and Josh and James McSporin pulled together uh, probably the best wedding set uh, you, mo you will never hear, because my wedding, not yours. And uh, our rector, Dave, uh, said that he danced harder at our wedding uh, than he'd danced for years. No one's sure if that's because, you know, the band settled because his, his double hit replacement had started to kick in. But, um, but dance he did, and it, it's a sight to behold. Uh, we, we had uh, the most incredible day. We had the, the best day of our lives. But there's, um, there's something that uh, me and Alice don't often talk about, and it's that... Uh, there's some things about our wedding that we were disappointed with. We still had an incredible day. We still had the best day of our lives, but there was a, a sense of disappointment. 
See, someone commented that our wedding was a bit like a film, where everything went wrong, but it all kind of worked out well in the end. And it, it was, but there were things that、um, didn't happen that we wanted to happen. There were、um, details that we, Alice, had planned. <laughs> That didn't work out like we wanted them to, because we had to、uh, reshuffle the rooms and the spaces. Things were going to happen in.、Uh, that meant that some of the stuff we planned for other spaces didn't happen. It meant that the food that we'd picked and thought about、um, stayed somewhere up near Penrith. It,、um, that most of the guests that we wanted to be there were there, but、um, there were a couple of people that we、uh, particularly loved who weren't able to be there with us. You see, we had an incredible wedding day, but on the flip side, there was、uh, lots of disappointment for us, and、uh, it was a day of our happiest memories and, and having the, the, the best time, but also、uh, of a sense of what could have been、uh, and of maybe what we planned not working out and not being quite what we hoped for. But this is the thing that I'll take from our wedding day, and it was that on December the fifth, twenty fifteen, me and Alice stood. I'm not going to cry. Stood、uh, in front. <laughs> I'm very emotional. You might have spotted that.、Uh, on、um, on December the fifth, 2015, me and Alice stood、uh, in front of all of our friends,、uh, in front of all of our family, and in the presence of God, we promised that we would love each other, come what may. <laughs> This feels silly, doesn't it? Good. <laughs> I am man. I am warrior. I am Spartan. <laughs> I do not succumb to emotions like mere humans. Um, we we promised to love each other, come what may. But we would,、uh, whether we were poor or rich, whether one of us was sick or whether we were well for the rest of our lives, we promised that we would love each other.、Uh, one of Alice's old pastors preached at、uh, our wedding, and he talked about agape love,、uh, about the kind of love that sacrifices for the other person, that chooses to put their well-being, their best,、uh, ahead of our own. And, and we promised to love each other like that. You see that the plan for our wedding didn't quite work out like we wanted it to.、Uh, we had、uh, a sense of how we wanted things to go, how we wanted things to be,、uh, and even though、uh, those plans didn't quite work out like we wanted them to work out, because we were able to retain a sense of the purpose of what our wedding was about,、uh, because we recognised that no matter what, nothing could devalue the act of us committing to love each other、uh, in the presence of God and our friends and family, because nothing could devalue that. Because we maintained our sense of purpose, because we maintained that the focus went out. If that didn't work out,、uh, then we were still free to have the most incredible day of our lives. Because really, the day was about the purpose; it wasn't about the plan.、Uh, tonight, I want to talk to you about what it is to have a purpose for your lives. Uh, that God has a purpose for you,、uh, and that we might make plans.、Uh, we might decide how we want things to go. Or we might feel like God has given us a plan for our lives. But that more important than the plan、uh, is the purpose that He's calling us to have.、Uh, God has given each of us a purpose to live from,、uh, and that purpose is the same、uh, for everyone. Uh, regardless of、uh, what job you do, regardless of、uh, the location you work, the school you go to, the university you study at,、uh, the purpose for your life、uh, is completely the same.、Uh, the purpose for you、uh, is that you love God and you love people. The purpose for your life is that you love God and you love people.、Uh, there's no higher calling for your life than that. You'll never do anything more noble or more worthy than fall more in love with Jesus each day. You'll never do anything more important than that. 
And as that happens, you'll never do anything more worthy or more noble than love the people you come into contact with in the same way that Jesus has loved you. I think that we live in a time where people are very concerned about plans. Uh, People want to know uh, what the next thing to happen is. They want a sense of the overarching uh, plan, the day by day, the month by month, the week by week. They they want to know the the details and they want to know them now when we get so caught up in worrying about the details of the plan that we forget that really the main thing is that God has a purpose for you. Uh, God has a purpose for your life and it's that you love him and you love those around you. The thing that matters most in life uh, is you loving him and you loving other people. See, because we, we can't talk about purpose without also talking about plans. The, the two, uh, to me, are completely inseparable. Uh, we spend much longer thinking and dreaming and praying and asking God to reveal the plan he has for us uh, rather than living out the, out the purpose that he's given us. Uh, we worry about the place God is calling us to go, the thing he's asking us to do, uh, so much so that we forget about the purpose that he has for each of our lives. Uh, we believe that God has a specific plan for each of our lives and we, uh, we worry about whether God wants us to live in this house or that house, uh, whether we need to go and do this degree course or that one, whether uh, we need to marry this person or that person. We get so caught up in the plan. Uh, we get so paralyzed by fear that uh, we might make a wrong decision in deciding the plan that we don't live out of the purpose that God's given us. Uh, maybe you can relate to that. Uh, maybe that uh, resonates with how you're feeling now. Maybe you're trying to make decisions now Uh, And you're wondering, God, what's your plan for my life? Uh, I want you to feel slightly freer and lighter when you leave tonight because you recognize that uh, God might have a plan. God might have a particular thing for you to do, but more important than the thing God's got for you to do uh, is the purpose he's calling you to live out of. Uh, A desire for a plan is, is understandable. We read uh, lots of stories in the Bible where God seems to call particular people to do particular things. He gives them particular assignments or particular missions. Uh, God calls uh, a man called Samuel in the Bible. Uh, And God calls Samuel three times in the night. And on the third time, Samuel hears and recognizes God's voice for what it is. Uh, And as Samuel listens, this is what God tells him. It's in Samuel 3. It says, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house, said the Lord, will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. God calls Samuel in the middle of the night and then gives him an incredibly specific assignment. God gives Samuel a message to deliver to the people. All through the Old Testament, we see prophets being called by God. And God then gives them a specific mission or an assignment or a thing for them to deliver to a king or someone in power. Uh, We see prophets uh, being given those very particular missions and assignments. Uh, And because the Bible is so full of people with those kind of stories, uh, it's so full of people uh, being given very particular calls, very particular missions, very particular assignments. Uh, I wonder if sometimes we presume that everyone in Israel was like that. We presume that all of Israel was running about with a plan or a mission or an assignment from God, a thing that God was tasking them to do. I don't believe that was really the case. I don't think every single person in Israel was running around with a particular thing that God was calling them to do. 
Uh, instead, I believe that uh, much of the, the people during the time of the Old Testament were, were quietly living out of the purpose God had given them. Uh, they weren't uh, living out of some grand uh, mission or assignment or plan, uh, but instead they were living out of the purpose God has for them, which is they would fall more in love with God uh, and learn to love the people around them. Uh, are you so caught up with looking for a plan, uh, with looking for an assignment or a mission from God that you've forgotten to live out of your purpose? I think sometimes we, we look at people who have a, a plan or an assignment, people like Samuel, uh, or maybe you, you see people around you and you think, oh, they have a plan from God, they, they're on a mission from God. Uh, um, do you put more value onto those people? Sometimes we, we presume that if God gave that person, if God gave Samuel a, a mission or an assignment or a plan, that must mean that uh, God must love them more. Uh, We presume that God must care for them more because uh, God loves them more, so he gave them a plan, and that's how it must work. But when we do that, we presume that uh, God uh, God loves us more based on how we behave and whether we do what he's telling us to. Uh, God's love for us uh, remains constant and unmoved. Uh, We can't do anything to make God love us any more or any less. And so because of that, whether God gives us a particular plan or mission or assignment uh, is irrelevant to how God feels about us. Do you put people on pedestals if they seem to have a plan or a purpose from God, a plan or an assignment from God? Uh, Maybe uh, you feel like God's spoken to you and he's given you a particular assignment uh, and you feel um, prideful about that. Uh, You feel particularly pleased that God's uh, given you this thing to do. Or maybe uh, you have a sense that God hasn't given you uh, a plan or an assignment and, uh, and you view other people as being better than you, as being more loved than God by you. God's love and care for us isn't contingent on what we do. It's not contingent on how we behave or how we perform. We want to get away tonight from believing that we can make God love us more or less based on whether he gives us a plan for our lives or a mission or an assignment, but instead choose to recognize that God's love is full of grace and kindness. I believe that sometimes God does call people. God does call people and he does give them uh, plans and things to do. He gives them specific uh, words to say, conversations to have. Uh, But also, uh, sometimes God doesn't do that. Uh, Maybe uh, that's not quite as common as we would like to believe it. Uh, God God does still do that, but I wonder if sometimes we get so caught up in the details of thinking about, uh, am I going this way or that way, when uh, perhaps God isn't so worried about that. God just wants you to live out of your purpose wherever you happen to be, Uh, whether that's uh, as an accountant, a builder, whether that's uh, doing all manner of different things, whether it's studying, uh, whether it's working, whether it's staying at home. God God wants you to live out of your purpose first, Uh, and then maybe uh, there'll be an assignment or a plan that God has for you, uh, but that primarily we're called to live out of purpose. Uh, Whilst uh, we're looking for a plan, uh, often that can cause us a, a lot of anxiety, because we worry uh, if we make the wrong decision that somehow God will be angry with us. Uh, We view maybe the the plan as being a bit like a a knife edge, and if we fall off to the left or the right, if we take a wrong step, uh, that somehow we'll we'll fall away from what God's calling us to, uh, and that God will abandon us. Uh, That God will abandon us if we don't quite uh, get it exactly right. Uh, And so rather than do the thing that God's calling us to do, uh, we get paralyzed. Uh, We decide not to act because we don't want to do the wrong thing. Well, that, that's not the nature of God's. That's not the nature and the character of God. God doesn't uh, wait for us to try and work it out. Uh, God isn't playing hide and seek with us. 
Uh, God doesn't uh, run off with all of the plans he has for your life and hide them uh, so that you'll never hear about them or you'll never learn about them uh, and make it difficult for you to discover him. Uh, Jesus isn't about that. I believe in a God who is full uh, of grace and life and hope. Uh, God who isn't trying to trick us and hide from us, uh, but who's cheering us on and encouraging us and calling us deeper. Uh, if you uh, hear the, the story of Samuel, God calls Samuel three times. God waits for Samuel to hear him. He waits for Samuel to recognize God's voice. Uh, there's a softness and the kindness about God. God isn't trying to trick us. He's not trying to hide from us. Uh, if God is calling you to do something in particular, then God will make that apparent to us as we listen to him. I believe in a God who is full of grace and kindness. And if we uh, mishear, if we take a, a, a wrong step, uh, but our intention was to follow him, I believe that God is full of grace and mercy for that. This is what I believe about the plan. Uh, I believe that we pray uh, we spend time listening to God, that we uh, honestly seek him, uh, that we uh, choose to ask for his will rather than ours, and we give God room to speak, uh, and then we work out what to do. Uh, if God gives us a clear instruction, then we do it. Uh, if he doesn't, uh, then we, uh, we try and work it out ourselves. I, I have a, a lot of time for what Ellie was talking about. Uh, Ellie isn't talking about having a, a really clear um, voice from heaven uh, shouting, this is the way to go, but uh, Ellie's trying to, to feel out the voice of God. She's trying to feel out uh, the thing that God might be calling her to do. Uh, and as Ellie does that, uh, she stays under the purpose of God, which is to love him uh, and to tell people about him and love them. Uh, and no matter whether uh, we make the right decision or the wrong decision, whether we hear or mishear God, if our intention is always to live out of the purpose and out of hearing what God's calling us to do, uh, we never misstep. God never gets uh, angry or discouraged by us. Uh, when I was working out whether to come here or not, uh, I didn't have uh, a particular lightning bolt moment. I didn't see it written in the sky. I didn't hear God's voice telling me this was the way and this was the place for me to go. Uh, but there was a, a process of um, feeling it out, of sounding out, of trying to um, discern whether this was something that God uh, might or might not be in for me. I didn't hear God say anything in particular. I didn't hear him say, this is the place for you to be, or, or this isn't the place for you to be. I think that if our intention is to seek God, if our intention is to hear what God's, uh, God might be saying to us, uh, whether we get it exactly right or not is by the by, because our intention was to follow him, and God doesn't get angry with that. God doesn't get irritated with that. Uh, whether or not we uh, completely perfectly hear God's, uh, there's a, a grace and a kindness for that. Uh, I want to encourage you tonight to loosen your grip a little bit on the plan so that you can start to take hold of the purpose God has for you more. Uh, and as you do that, to get more serious about the purpose he has for you, uh, because your purpose is what really matters. Uh, Paul is uh, talking about it in the first, uh, the, the first half of our purpose in a passage in Philippians uh, chapter 3. Uh, Paul writes this, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for Christ. Uh, what's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Uh, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. 
The purpose of Paul's life is to know Jesus. Paul says, everything else in my life I count as waste. I count as pure waste in comparison to knowing Jesus and experiencing the love of Jesus. If you look at the life and the ministry of Paul, you'll see that's what drives him on. Uh, That's the thing that Paul relentlessly pursues. Uh, It's the reason Paul went on so many trips to different churches and different cities, uh, trying to encourage people to experience God, trying to encourage them and help them to believe that Jesus was real, uh, that the promises Paul was speaking about were real because uh, Paul was so deeply convinced about the love of God. Paul was utterly consumed by it. Uh, He was fascinated by it. Uh, He wanted people to know and to experience it. In fact, it's, it's so real to Paul that, as I said before, everything else in his life seemed like waste. Uh, all of his efforts, everything that he strived for, everything that he earned to achieve, all the recognition, uh, all of the uh, credit of man that Paul gained, uh, he now counts that as loss, uh, as utter waste, as garbage piled up on the side of a road uh, in comparison to knowing Jesus. He says everything but knowing Jesus is now utterly worthless. Uh, are you so in the middle of your purpose uh, that everything, uh, everything that isn't about knowing Jesus seems like waste? Uh, are you so overcome with love for Jesus? Are you so devoted to loving Jesus that uh, all of your efforts, all of your striving, all of the recognition you might have earned, uh, that means nothing to you? That means nothing to you because of the love of Jesus, uh, because of the perspective that brings, because of that change that's brought in your lives. Uh, Paul has a razor-sharp focus on his purpose, Uh, And because uh, he understands what his purpose is, uh, he's released when his life doesn't quite go like he hoped it would go. Uh, At different points, Paul is rejected by people. He's persecuted. Uh, He falls out with uh, fellow co-workers. He might have become like family to him. Uh, Some accounts say that Paul got malaria. Uh, And Paul is writing uh, this letter to the Philippians uh, from one of his many stays in prison. Uh, I don't think that's what Paul expected for his life. I don't think uh, that's the plan he maybe had in mind. Uh, But because he was so convinced of his purpose, because he was so convinced that Jesus was worth knowing, that the love of God uh, was real and for him and for other people, that enabled him to stay the course. Uh, So what's getting in the way of you living out of the first half of your purpose? Uh, What is it that prevents you from loving Jesus as fully as you ought, as fully as you want to do? Are there things that you're prioritizing that you need to shift? Are there patterns of behavior that get in the way? Uh, Is there a lack of uh, thought or time? What is it uh, that you need to commit to changing tonight so that you can start to live more out of your purpose? Uh, Jesus also said these words. He said, uh, Love the Lord your God with all your hearts and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind uh, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus gives us the entirety of our purpose there. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. In other words, uh, everything that you are, everything that you have, uh, point that towards Jesus. Uh, Choose to love him and adore him with everything that you have. And as you do that, uh, as you experience the love of God, you'll be empowered to love yourself and to love other people. Uh, Note the significance in loving yourself as well. Uh, Your purpose is to love yourself and to love those around you. Uh, Our purpose is simple and clear, I think. Our purpose is simple and clear. Uh, I wonder what would change if uh, we committed to more fully loving our purpose. 
if we committed to more fully uh, loving those around you and loving God's. Uh, we might start to see cultures in workplaces change. Uh, we might start to see families shift. Uh, we might start to see all manner of uh, social justice uh, issues, inequalities start to move in this world if the church started to understand its purpose more fully rather than get caught up in the details of a plan. Uh, what is it tonight that you need to do to more fully take hold of your purpose? Uh, because wherever the plan takes you, it will always be an outworking of your purpose. Wherever the plan takes you, it will always be an outworking of your purpose. Uh, whatever it is, uh, whether God gives you a particular assignment, a particular thing to do, uh, it will always be, uh, the base of it will always be about loving God and loving those around you. Uh, and when you uh, know that you're in the middle of your purpose, whether life goes like you expect it to or not, uh, you'll be free to be happy. You'll be free to have deep joy because you're living in the center of your purpose. Uh, you're released to love the new direction that God's taking you because uh, in the new direction, you haven't lost your sense of purpose uh, or reason for doing what you're doing. Uh, I want to invite you tonight to recommit to your purpose, uh, to recommit to it no matter where you are or what you're doing, uh, to loosen your grip on the plan, on, on being worried about the details of things and instead uh, start to look up towards the horizon uh, and pursue the purpose that God has for you.